You are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Second week of our series, Rumors. And uh, so Rumors is kind of the main like theme title. And then there's a subtitle with things, things Jesus never said. And so uh, we are in our second week of that. And so if you have your Bible, uh, go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, uh, we're going to read verse 3 through 9. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry, it's on the screen. And here we go. As he was speaking, Jesus, the teachers of religious law and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Verse 4, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says, stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could uh, use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up and he said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. This week, I want to talk to you about the second week of our installment rumors, things that Jesus never said, and here it is. Do what makes you happy. Do what makes you happy. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place, God, already. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come here and to hang out with you, God, and to worship you. Father, I pray that you would be uh, in the midst of, of the remaining time of our, of our worship experience together. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts that the seed, your word that falls, that it would fall on good ground. We thank you so much for that. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name. Come on, everyone say it. Amen. 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 So, uh, I just want to start off by saying I love to drink, okay? But I need you to chill because it's not what you think. <laughs> you can breathe. They're like, what? Um, so, in college, we used to go to this place called uh, Cheesecake Factory. Uh, they, there's one in Novato, I think, or somewhere not here. Uh, but, but at the Cheesecake Factory, they have something that I love to drink, just, and it's so good. It's their strawberry lemonades. They have straw. It's like fresh squeeze lemonade. They, yeah, someone agreed. Like, amen. Uh, they have fresh squeeze lemonade. They, they're, they're strawberries that they get, and I feel like they just crush them with their hands. They get their glass, and they 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 instead of salting the glass, they sugar the rim of the glass, and and then they get a strawberry and they put it right on on the rim and. And uh, you pay like four bucks for it, but it's unlimited, unlimited. And so we used to go to Cheesecake Factory when I was in college, and um, and we would order we would order these these uh, strawberry uh, lemonades, and we would drink them and just eat our cheesecake. Hello, cheesecake. Yes, yes, we love calories. And um, and and, and so so we would we'd go there. We would eat. Uh, a cheesecake, we would eat a cheeseburger and fries, and uh, we would order our, our strawberry lemonades. And, and uh, I remember this one time in particular, uh, I just kept drinking, right? <laughs> it was bad. And so I was like on my third one. I finished it, and, uh, 
And I remember just, just feeling like, man, my stomach is just kind of, it's kind of queasy. I didn't feel too good. And, uh, and I was like, I'm all about getting my money's worth, you know? Like, that's probably not you. You guys probably know when to draw the boundaries uh, and to draw the line. Like, I'm like, I'm getting my money's worth. And so, uh, so I, was, I, was like, I was like, should I order one more, uh, one more strawberry lemonade? And I remember just sitting there, just really contemplating this idea, should I do it? And I remember my roommate, he looked, he looked uh, over at me, and he said this, I'll never forget. He said, Peter, because they, they call me Peter, they, like, Peter, just do what makes you happy. Just do it. Just do what makes you happy. And I was like, yeah, that's great advice. And so I ordered another one, okay? Fast forward. You would think that there was alcohol in here, because I'm... I'm about to tell you what I did. So we're, we leave, we eat, we pay, uh, we leave, then we leave, we pay, then we leave. Uh, so we're in the car, right? We're, <laughs> we're in the car. We're driving back to our apartment. I'm in the back seat. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I don't feel good. I'm like, pull, pull over, please. Pull. And like, out of nowhere, I'm like, <laughs> like right in the car. Like, yeah, yeah, and it just, it wouldn't stop. It just kept going and going, chunks of strawberry, and I know, TMI, John, TMI. I'm just making sure you're paying attention. And, uh, and so, like, I'm in the backseat, like, like, just, like, throwing up hardcore, right? And my buddy's like, don't throw up in my car. And I'm like, shut up. You told me to be happy. And I'm like, I am not blah, happy, blah. <laughs> and in that moment, I realized something. I realized that just because something makes me happy doesn't mean I should do it all the time. And so I was thinking about this idea of just making me happy. And really, if we, if we think about it, isn't that kind of like society's like mantra for your life and for my life. Hey, just do what makes you happy. As long as you're happy, that's all that matters. Just do you, boo. <laughs> right? Like, be free. Do whatever you want, just as long as you're happy. Now, I do want to pause real quick because what's going to happen if I don't say this Someone's going to leave here at the end of our worship experience, and they'll be like, that pastor's so lame. He doesn't want me to be happy. That's not what I'm saying. Like, I think we could be happy. I think we should be happy. Here's what I am saying. I don't think happiness should be what leads us. Okay? So here's this idea. Culture is telling us, be happy. Be happy. And I think sometimes that being happy is a great thing. Right? Like, it helps us to make amazing decisions. But sometimes making a decision based off of my happiness isn't the best thing in the world. Maybe that's just me. And then, and then so, so, so culture's like, be happy, be happy, be, do this as long as you're happy. And then if we're not careful, at least this is what I do, like I mirror what culture is telling me and I mirror it on God. And I'm like, well, I'm going to do this because God wants me to be happy. Have you ever said that? Have you ever said, well, I just, I'm, you know what? God just wants me happy. 
No? By the quietness, I'm assuming this is hitting home. So, uh, so, so this idea like, ah, God just wants me to be happy. So here's kind of my premise this morning, okay? And, and I'm just going to, I'm going to lay out scripture and then you can decide if like I'm lying or what, okay? But, but here, here's kind of the, the big idea, the main, the main point, is that what if I told you that God's number one concern for your and my life is not that we're happy? We'll, we'll, we'll look at that, okay? Then so, that, so that's what I'm, I'm, I'm going with. Like, what if God's number one desire for you and for me is not that we would be happy, but in fact it's something else? See, because here, here's, here's one reason why I think it's so important to, to understand that the danger of happiness is because a lot of the times happiness is determined by my desires. But my desires... And so my desires dictate my decisions. But this may not be for you, but this is definitely for me. But sometimes my decisions don't always align with God's desires. See, sometimes, and this, I'm, just, I'm just saying for me, not, it's probably not you. But there's a lot of times where my desires are sinful in nature. There's a lot of times when I desire something that God doesn't want me to, to, to embrace or to, to, to do. But, but if I'm not careful, what happens is, is I'll begin to say, well, God, you just want me happy. I remember uh, when I was dating, I, I knew I should not date this girl. And uh, I was like, but God, you want me happy. She makes me happy. Right? But, but what, if I, what if I told you that? That God's number one concern for our life is, is not that we're happy. See, here, here so, so uh, your notes, these are for your notes for those of you who are taking notes. My desires dictate my decisions. And then here's the second part. My decisions don't align with God's desires. That sometimes my desires, sometimes my decisions are counter to what God really wants for my life. Sometimes. And here's, here's where it gets a little, a little daunting, a little scary, uh, is because there's sometimes uh, in life when, when, or when I choose to be led by my happiness, when I choose to do things just because I want to be happy, really that, that's, that's what society calls relevant, relevantism, right? Like this idea that, that it's all about me. And when, when we begin to believe that, when I, when I begin to believe that life is all about me, and as long as I'm happy, that's all that matters, uh, here's, what, here's what's really happening, is that I'm saying that, that, that I am my own truth. That, 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 I, that whatever, whatever I, I set the standard for my own life. But here's the deal, and I'm speaking specifically to those of you in here that have made Jesus uh, the Lord of your life, that had made a decision to follow Christ. He, here's, here's the deal. Uh, Jesus said in John 14, he said that I am the way, the truth, in life. So when I learn to surrender my life to Jesus and I say, Jesus, uh, just take over, he, here's, what, here's what we got to understand is that that, w- that moment, Jesus becomes my truth. He becomes my absolute truth. 
It's no longer based off of my decisions of what makes me happy or not. But all of a sudden now, I've surrendered myself to the authority of Jesus and saying, Jesus, you're my absolute truth now. I'm no longer going to be driven by my happiness, but I'm going to be driven by what you desire for me. And so, so we, we, we have this, this idea that of, of truth and that, but, but he, he, here's kind of a question that I want to ask, ask you this morning. Is what happens when our happiness gets in the way of our holiness? Because that's what happens. God's called us. And, and we're going to read this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. This is out of the message translation. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil. Doing just what you feel like doing. He's talking about being happy. Don't, like, he, he's writing to the believers and he's saying, uh, just, hey, don't fall back into your old ways of thinking. Don't fall back into the, the idea of, of, of just doing what you've always been doing, being, being led by yourself. He goes on to say that you didn't know any better then, but you do now. As obedient children, watch this, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life. So what does God's life look like? Ah, great, great question. Here it is. A life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy. Or I am holy. You be holy. So, what, so, so Peter, he, he's writing this and, he, and he's saying this. He's like, he's like, don't slip back into your old ways of, of doing whatever you felt like doing. Now that you have subjected yourself to the lordship, the, the, the bossship of Jesus... He said, now, now, it's in, now we learn to, to live in, and to, to be under the authority of, of God. This, this idea, he's like, you now model yourself after God. Well, what is God? God is holy. God is holy. And so here's what I want for your next fill in the blank. You were called to be holy. You were called to be, well, John, what does holy mean? Well, we know that God was holy, right? Like we... He was perfect in every way. And so, obviously, like, it's hard for us to be perfect, but here's the idea of us being holy. What does that look like? This idea of you and me being set apart, being different, being, being uh, separate than what, than what culture is saying and, 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 and saying that is okay. And, and this idea that we're being set apart and, and so when I was reading this text, the first thing that I was thinking about when it says that I am to be holy, because I'm like, how? <laughs> it's impossible. Like, I think about this, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I can get anxious just thinking, what? God, you want me to be holy? How does that even work? God, like, don't you know my thoughts? Don't you know my heart? Like, I'm, I'm constantly just like, God, how am I supposed to be holy? And I love this. It's as if Peter knew the reaction of me. Because he goes on and he writes this. Verse 17. You call out to God for help. And watch this. He says, learn yourself. 
Uh-uh. You call out to God for help, he's like, what, you don't get it already? It's just like your third time. Mm-mm. He says, you call out to God for help, and he helps. Why does he help? Because he's a good father that way. Praise God, one person. He's a good, like, our pursuit of being holy, of being set apart, it's not based off of something that we can do on our own strength. We can say to God, God, help me. I need help. And he'll help us. And then I love what it says in the remaining of, of verse 17. But don't forget, he also, he's also a responsible father. Uh-oh. And won't let you get away with sloppy living. So it's this idea that, God, you're going to help me. You're going to help me live a life that is holy. God, I thank you that you're going to help me. But he's also my guardrail. He's also my boundary of saying, hey, hey, you're going too far. Be careful. Like he loves me so much. He loves you so much that, that he wants to help. Be like, hey, come, come this way. Come this way. No, hey, hey. He loves us. He's called us to be holy. But he wants to help us to become holy. See, I don't think God's number one desire for your life or my life is to be happy. Like he wants us to be happy, but that's not his number one objective for you and for me. His number one objective is that we'd be holy. We actually see this in the story that we read at the beginning of our time together in, in the Gospel of John chapter 8. It's about the woman. Uh, here, here's the thing. We don't really know a lot about the woman, right? Like, we don't know her story. We don't really know her backdrop. Like we don't know, we, we don't know if, if she was married and, um, and she was unhappily married and she was working in the office and she met this guy that, like, was paying attention to her, and she was like, ah. We, we don't know her story. We, she could have been at work and brushed elbows with each other, and, like, her heart was like, <gasps> like, we don't know. We, we don't know. We don't know if she was married and met this guy who was also married, and then, then <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. We don't know if, if in fact, she was even married. She could have just been walking at, at the grocery store, saw this fine dude, and be like, ooh, boy, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what women say. I just pretend like, this is what my wife, like, ooh, boy, that fun booty, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to get in trouble for saying that. I don't know. That's what I think my wife says about me. It's, and we don't know her story is what I'm trying to say. We don't, know what's, we don't know what she's thinking. We don't know what she's doing. She could have just been walking in the market, saw a guy and was like, yo. And they could have just met. Hey, come, come to my place. We don't know her story is what I'm trying to say. We don't know her story. But here's what we do know. We do know that she was caught in the act of adultery. And that's kind of awkward, too, because the text just implies that, like, in the act of adultery. And so uh, 
So these re- religious leaders, they, they come and, and, and they, they, they drag her out to the center square where everyone's at. And she's about to get stoned. And, uh, and, and here she is. Um, she, she's, she's on the ground and, and, and stoned, this idea like they, they grabbed stones and, and they would throw it at a person. So they died. It was actually law back then. Uh, that's kind of how they handled corporate punishment. Hello. Oh, thank you, Jesus, <laughs> for changing that. And, uh, and so here she is. She, she, she's there, right? And they're about to, they're about to stone her. And, um, and uh, they're like, Jesus, what do you say about this issue? Uh, she, she, Jesus, she was caught in the act of adultery. You know the law. You know that technically she should be put to death, but you're also a God of grace. Like, what do you, like, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you say that we do? And Jesus, only Jesus, he gets down and he starts writing in the sand. We don't really know what, what Jesus was writing in the sand, um, but he, he gets back up. And he says, uh, he, he says, he says um, for, for any of you that, that want to stone her, um, whoever is perfect, you throw the first stone. And then he goes back down and he starts doodling in the ground again. And the text says, the scripture says that one by one they, they started walking away. Almost... To the point where, or to the point where there was no one left. Jesus, he 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 stands up from drawing in the, in the dirt. And he realizes he looks, and no one is left there but him, and that lady. And here's what Jesus doesn't say to her. Here's what Jesus doesn't say to her. Okay, he's not like, get up. Hey. Next time, lock the door. <laughs> he, he doesn't say to her, he doesn't say to her, uh, hey, yeah, just, hey, next time be careful. Just as long as you're happy, just, you know, just, I want you to be careful. Just, just, just make sure that you're happy, but don't get caught. Like, Jesus doesn't say that at all. You know what he does say? Check this out, the very next verse. He says this, he says, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? This is her response. She says, no, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I. Now go and sin no more. And the band can come up and as we get ready to, to land this plane. He's there. He uh, helps her up. He doesn't. He doesn't tell her, "Hey, just, just do whatever makes you happy." But in fact, he he calls her out to something greater. He he calls her out to something, something better. See, in this moment, this is what I want you to see, is that in this moment, Jesus extends a hand of grace in order to help her live a life of holiness. 
Do you see the parallel between this and 1 Peter? Peter's like, hey, you're called to be holy. Don't trip. God will help you out. Rewind. Here's this lady. She needs help. And God's willing, Jesus is willing to be like, here, let me help you. Let me help you. But, but here's what he says, and this is what I love about it. And there's this, here's what I love about this is that he doesn't say be happy. He doesn't say be happy. He says this. He says, go and sin no more. So what is he saying? He's saying, go and be holy. Don't, don't go and continue. He's like, I want you to be holy. There's more. There, and Jesus, he's extending this hand of grace to this lady and saying, hey, come on. I want to help you. With whatever you're dealing with, I want to help you. Whatever struggles you're dealing with, I want to help you. Whatever addictions you're dealing with, I want to help you. Here, here's, what, here's what I want you to know this morning. That Jesus is extending a hand of grace towards you. And he's saying, hey, I want you to be holy, but you don't have to do it on your own. I want to help you. I want to help you out. And so Jesus, he, this morning, he, he, he's calling us to live a life of holiness. A life that is set apart. A life that is different. A life that is, not, that is not motivated and moved by what makes me happy, but rather what makes God happy. And if I could learn to model that in my life, if I could learn to model happiness or holiness in my life, good things happen. See, because here's, here's where some of you are right now. You're like, man, I invited a friend to church today. And John, you're like, don't be happy, right? <laughs> He, he, here's, here's, here's what is important to understand about this. Is that just because I'm living a life of holiness does not mean I can't live a life of happiness. Holiness and happiness are not at odds with each other. In fact, I would even propose to you that as we pursue holiness instead of happiness, that we will, we will encounter happiness that we've never even experienced before. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came that you would have life into the fullest. And it's not pursuing happiness, it's pursuing holiness. So you ask anybody that's pursued happiness, maybe even you're here this morning, and you've pursued happiness, what you thought would make you happy, and you only realize, oh my gosh, it ruined everything. I'm not happy. Come on, he, Jesus wants us, God wants us to pursue holiness. That we would get to the place where we don't do what makes us happy, but we do what counts us to be holy and to be set apart. So, John, how, how, do, we, how, do, we, how do we become holy? Like, what does that look like? And if I was to sum it up in one thing, one short sentence... Holiness happens in close proximity. Holiness happens in close proximity. 
So the closer that I am to Jesus, the closer that, that, I, that I choose to just be, be uh, with him more, that I, that I choose to involve him more in my life, the closer I am in proximity, the more that I'm getting help to become holy. Does that make sense? Listen, this morning as I close, I, I don't know your story. I don't know what you struggle with. I don't know, I don't, I don't know what, what things are, are pulling you. But I do know this. The author of, of Hebrews said that sin is, is for a moment. It's fun for a moment. It's fun for, how many of you guys know that sin can be fun? Like, no, I'm not saying that. Come on, if you don't think sin is fun, you're doing it wrong, right? Like, like Scripture says that it's fun for, for a fleeting moment. When I, when, I, when I choose to go off of my happiness, if it's counter to what God wants, it's, it's fun for a moment. It's fun for a little bit. Come on, but if I could tap into holiness... So this morning, my, my desire for you and for me is that we would just continue to, to say, God, would you help me to be holy like you are holy? For listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe, and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.